I'm going to go ahead and say you're innocent until proven guilty unless J.P. Morgan's suing you in open court, in which case you're <laughs> probably fucking guilty. You're done, dude. Yeah, yeah you lost. She probably took a page out of uh, SBF's book and said, I'm not guilty like him. Reading a quote from the article from Forbes, which I also do not pay for. Mm. After J.P. Morgan Chase rushed to acquire Charlie's rocket ship business, J.P. Morgan Chase realized they couldn't work around existing student privacy laws, committed misconduct, and then tried to retrade the deal. Javis's lawyer, Alex Spiro, said in a statement emailed to Forbes. I'd retrade the deal, too, if I heard that there were some fake accounts. <laughs> so, of course, Charlie here, she's not guilty. She just blew the whistle and then sued J.P. Morgan Chase's newest suit is nothing but a cover. What the fuck, man? Because they're going to go so far as to sue something like this in open court for a cover. Yeah, not going to happen. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Higher Standard Podcast, where we give you ultra-premium, unfiltered truth when it comes to building your wealth and curating the lifestyle of your dreams. No games, no drama, and no shenanigans. I am your host, Chris Nahibi, and I'm here to help you distill the immense amount of information and disinformation out there on the interwebs and give you the opportunity to choose a higher standard for yourself. There are no gurus here, and no one gives a damn about how wealthy you look. I'm an attorney and a banker, amongst other things. Does that mean you should listen to me? Hell no. This is just full disclosure that while we talk about money, wealth, law, investing, and a lot of related topics, you should always speak to your own advisors for an opinion tailored to your unique investment perspective. I am obligated to tell you that nothing contained in this show is in fact legal or investment advice and is being provided solely for entertainment purposes. So sit back, relax your mind, and get ready for a different kind of podcast where we elevate your baseline in crispy, high-resolution audio. This isn't a different standard. It's the higher standard. And we're back. Back to back. Let's go. Got that energy for you. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It was a little scary. So Saeed is overly happy and enthusiastic on a somber this note. Is not, this is I not feel, me. I You're, feel truly bad about. Stop. I thought we said we weren't going to lie to the listeners. We're not. Yeah. And I feel like your enthusiasm is a genuine reflection of how you feel here. No, this is not. Anytime there's layoffs, I am not happy. <sighs> According to Yahoo Finance, Coinbase is to lay off 20% of workers in the latest sign of the crypto industry pain. And Saeed, I know how eager you were to have this in the show notes. No, I was not. I didn't put this in the show did, notes. Did you want to... Was this in my did, show notes? I feel like it was. It was not. It, it was in it, yours. It is a shared note of mm -hmm. which you are half the owner. I know, man. Okay. So this is actually the third round of layoffs at Coinbase. I don't know if you recall this, but I actually told you to put it in the show notes because I was busy. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, that's right. And I made sure to throw it up under yours. <laughs> I know you did. I just, just totally set you up. That's fine. Yeah. All right. So third round. Did you want to get into the details? <laughs> third round of the, of the firm's layoffs. The company has cut uh, 2,110 workers since June of 2022 and projects it will slash operating expenses by around 25%. But I mean, at that point, you have Ooh. to, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, no. You, you, if they haven't already cut at least 20 25% by now, I'd be shocked. Yeah. Exactly. For the first quarter compared to Q4 of 2022. Mm -hmm. The company yeah. said it intends to complete the overall cost-cutting plan by second quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, man. Goddamn. I was reading the next paragraph. I was, I'm, I'm going down and reading all oh this. God, all, so it, it, go for it. Coinbase said it estimates it will pay between 149 million to 163 million in total restructuring costs. That's not cheap. The company further broke down, uh, broke that down into 58 million to 68 million in cash charges for employees' severance 
and termination benefits with 91 million to 95 million in expenditures being paid out as stock-based compensation. So that goes to show you that a lot of that money did go to the employees, but the the aggregate cost mm-hmm. of doing so to them had to be worth it as it relates to the percentage of the bottom line. So it, I mean, that, they've had a, a, a significant amount of turmoil, obviously, given where the crypto markets have gone. Right. Um, and there's a lot of rumors about the current position of Binance. Yeah, Binance. Binance, um, or Binance, for those of you who are uninitiated. I got something for you about that too, by the way. I didn't put this in the show notes. Our boy Noriel Rubini. Noriel Rubini. Back at it. <laughs> Carnival Barkers. Not only not only is he back at it, I think uh Adidas is hooking him up. What, like a shoe? <laughs> There's a shoe. The Noriel Rubini shoe. A limited edition. <laughs> Doctor Doom shoe. There's a limited edition stand. No, oh, it's not for Noriel Rubini. Oh, I would have bought that shit so quick. I'd be on eBay right honestly, now. Honestly, honestly, one of the listeners sent it to me. Okay. And uh shout out to that listener. His name you don't recall because you're an arrogant piece of shit. I'm going to put it in the show notes now so he he can pull it up. Adidas is coming out with a limited edition Stan Smith shoe. On the side of it, it says Dr. Doom. Stop it. I swear to God. You, hey, Arun, get that. I mean, I, I am speechless. Give me it's, the, I want to see, got, the, I got, see uh, the shoe. All the way up at the top. I put I it want, on the top. No, it won't show up there for a minute. Just go, just Google it. Yeah, yeah, right yeah. there, right there. Oh, right. yeah, click that. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Holy oh, shit, this is real? This is real. And they're available right now? They're available. Dude, this is what we after we are fucking. Is, let me see the, the front of that. Is that a skeleton in the front? The the listener. It's a doom mask in the front. Go scroll down. Yeah. Oh my god. Th- there should be a picture of Noriel right on this. That is. This is. This stop it. I swear. And the listener was like, "We should buy this shoe." And it's green for the money, baby. With the cream. Come on, man. This is happening. What What is the name of this? Stan Smith. What? And it's got do. Oh, so this is not supposed to be Noriel Rubini. It's just no, Doctor Doom. Obviously, bro, Adidas isn't going to sponsor Noriel Rubini. You didn't say Marvel, what the dude, fuck, dude. <laughs> and the, the back, of, dude, the back of the shoe says it's not easy being green. <laughs> Too good. I want to change that to cash flow positive, but yeah. it's fine. <laughs> How good is that? Bro? I am. This is happening. This is this is to be the best hundred bucks I've spent yet. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that is dope as hell. Right. Hey, make sure leave that, leave that link in the show notes, please. Yeah, well, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. And then hopefully Adidas will give us a cut when no, all the that, listeners go and buy some. This show is now sponsored by Adidas. <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, we haven't actually officially said anything, but um, that those organic greens that we got were absolutely amazing. Pre-sale greens. Yeah. So I'll I'll tell you. I, this is going to sound like hyperbole. This is not a sponsorship. This, this is this not is, a sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. This is just us trying a product that was amazing. So basically, I tried. I've tried like every organic greens in the market, mm-hmm. and I've, I mean, I think the last one I was trying was AG One or something. There was athletic I tried greens. exactly that last one I tried was Athletic Greens. Was, was AG One? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've tried that. There's, there's a couple of different variants. I don't know about you, but I've always had them in like weird ass flavors, like chocolate or like you know, yeah, something yeah. like that. Right. Never had them in a berry flavor. Right. So when I saw this and it was watermelon, I'm like, ugh, I'm not a big fan I mean, of watermelon. How, how are they gonna make that good? It didn't. Yeah, it, I'm not a watermelon fan. Yeah. I, then I, I text you right afterward. I was like, holy shit, these are actually fucking amazing. And I had them too, and so then I immediately tried them too because I was I was a little suspect too. Right, because watermelon organic greens and yeah. they taste really good. Like that sounds like bullshit. So bomb. Amazing. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely getting it again. So. I've, also, I've since tried their their um, pre-workout. I've tried their BCAAs. I've tried the, their man-up pills. Right. Which is not erectile dysfunction. Yeah, well, so what, is, so what, is that, what, what, what are you really struggling with, Men's Chris? health, bro. <laughs> it's men's health. But I've tried a bunch of this stuff. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how this company hasn't blown up 
immensely. I mean, I, before this, I've tried everything from Optimum Nutrition to like all the big names you know. Yeah. And I've done probably at this point in my life, uh, tw- close to 20 years of bodybuilding. Yeah. Never had a supplement like this. Not much to life. show for it, but yeah. That's hurtful. It was meant to be. <laughs> well, mission accomplished. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know. Yeah, here I am trying to be positive and like give kudos Listen, to a brand that's crushing it, and then you out yeah. here like just oh, you shattering me. dreams. I, I think I brought it up. You only brought it up because you know I wanted you to bring it up. <laughs> no, that's not true. It was amazing. Anyways, we'll, we'll put we got to put them in the show notes too because they're good. Right, and we you, don't get we don't get a cut from any of this. It's not a sponsor. No, we don't. Can you Google the website real quick? Though? I want to make sure I spell it right. It's pre sound p r e s y o n. I believe so. Yep. That's why, yeah, uh, and then, yeah, that's why I went, and then supplements or whatever. But that's not it. Go down. If if anyone uh, is still curious, this show is sponsored by nobody. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes, but that you can just Google Prescion Organic Greens, and uh, and it'll it'll come up if our intern will do that. Come on, buddy. Yeah, he's he put in Preston. Wow, Organic Greens. It's S Y O N. Yeah, you said Preston, bro. I'm going back to intern if everyone if you can't get this right. <laughs> Pre S Y O N. There you go. Gang gang. There you go. Perfect. P R E S Y O N dot com. Mm-hmm. And it is the organic green superfood. They only have it in watermelon, I think, but yeah. that shit is amazing. It was bomb. Hands down. Anyways. Although I will tell you I had a very interesting poop afterward. It was very green, but that's that's a different conversation. So you look at your poop when you said, yeah. Why do we do that? We shouldn't be Oh, you know what? I also tried their immunity juice. That was really good too. Mm. It's like the zinc vitamin C. And so I take zinc because it keeps my testosterone level down. It's a natural I'm sorry, it keeps your estrogen levels down. It's a natural estrogen blocker. Mm-hmm. So I have been taking a lot of that too. But I bought a bunch of stuff from this try them out because somebody told me it was really good and, and I, I do not uh, I do not regret that. All right. So your boy. What's going on with Binance? Binance, uh, actually, there wasn't... Uh, go back to the show notes for a second. There, It wasn't really Binance per se. It was just that he was very critical of a couple other companies in addition to Binance. He's not like crypto at all anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, he, w- he was commenting a lot on companies like Genesis and Gemini. Well, it turns out the SEC, according to Bloomberg, is suing brokerages Genesis and Gemini. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- this from the, the notes. Uh, every time I'm about ready to read, you move that thing, man. You do it to me on purpose. The SEC is suing crypto brokerages Genesis and Gemini for breaking securities rules related to uh, related to earn lending programs. Mm-hmm. The earn lending programs. Yeah, I think that's that's so. Essentially, what they did is, is they try to operate like banks, right? Mm. You give them money, and they give you a ton of return on your money because they're making loans to other people at high interest rates. Well, right. that in and of itself, while an arbitrage model and very similar to how banking systems work. It's all well and good when it's regulated and it's centralized. When you decentralize it and deregulate it, that can be very problematic. Right. The SEC said the firms illegally raised billions with a B of dollars from hundreds of thousands of investors to the so-called Gemini Earn program. Right. That product, which let customers loan out their assets in exchange for interest payments, amounted to the offering of unregistered securities, the SEC said. Yep. That right there, we're going to unpack, kids. Yeah, because yeah. I had questions about that, too. Explain I that to me. I bet you did. Let yeah. me finish, and then we'll, then we'll, uh, then we'll have a unpack it. Q&A session. Yeah. Let me pack it in, and then we'll unpack it back out. There you go. All right. Gemini launched the Earn in February of 2021 with the idea of offering users passive returns on their coins in exchange for the right to lend the tokens out. By August of that year, that program crossed the three billion dollar in asset mark. Read more, blah blah blah. Link in bio. Wow, that sounds very familiar to other companies. Does it? Yeah, it sounds just... a lot like FTX, <laughs> also known as FTX, baby. Right. Uh, a little bit what they did. Now, obviously, they didn't have a backdoor built in and all that other stuff. But so here's where it gets interesting. 
The SEC is effectively dipping their toe in the this needs to be regulated and this should be regulated by us because this was tantamount to an SEC offering. Right. And I want to point out that it's easy for me to go off the rails here, and I probably will, and say it'll probably have to you know, beat me back into submission on, and get me back on topic, mm-hmm. but this is the exact same shit people like Grant Cardone do as syndicators, right? Right. Give me your money. I'll put it into the structure. Now, Grant Cardone, from what I understand, does follow SEC law as it relates to being a uh, an investor that meets their criteria, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably how he gets around the SEC and he's done some his own due diligence. But any time anyone crowdfunds, right. particularly in the world of Twitter and social media, you got to kind of scratch your head and go, is this really where people should be getting their 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 funding? Exactly. Are we really crowdfunding investments? I mean, sure, someone like Grant Cardone can go through the accredited investor process and say you have a net worth, wink, wink, nudge, nudge to meet their criteria. Exactly. But clearly, cryptocurrency companies weren't doing that. No. And that's why the SEC is coming down and saying, like, look, like you guys were putting together syndications, basically. Right. Where you were allowing people to lend their money out. I mean, mm-hmm. you can call it what you want, structure it however you want. It's the same thing. They give right. you money. They get passive returns it's back. like they pierced that veil. They, right. Kind of. Kind of yeah. the same concept. They, they crossed the line. Yeah. So you might be unregulated currency. Yeah. And you might not be centralized. Mm-hmm. But the actions that you're taking on social media to get investors to invest in your business right. does meet. The threshold, at least the SEC believes. Their marketing practices. To, to violate their marketing practices. Yeah. Look at you with the proper vernacular. Mm. Chief economist of the higher standards, Saeed Omar. You're welcome. Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what is that? What, what, is, what did you just I do? I thought you were still going on your rant. Like, you said, you said you're going to go on this long rant. I'm going to have to beat you into submission. That was the rant? Well, when you look there at was me. Nothing, there was nothing wrong with any of that. You look at me and go... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, very awkward. Listen, man. Look, I'm just saying that every asshole on social media is doing this. Right. And like, I, I'm not going to say that I like cryptocurrency. I, I don't. But I think these firms were trying to operate within their parameters. And they were operating like this for a long ass. They raised three plus billion dollars. Exactly. This is not a surprise to anybody. And the fact that the SEC is going like, hey, you know what? I think there's a problem here. I mean, now where with, were you a billion dollars ago? How about two billion dollars? With everything that's going on with FTX, it, it almost feels like they can't they lose credibility. Right. If they continue to sit on the sidelines and not step in. Well, I've long said the SEC is is one of the most un, underfunded regulatory agencies and they have a really difficult job and it's very, very challenging. I get it, especially when something like this may or may not be in your wheelhouse. They have enough shit to keep them busy anyway. Yeah. Like I, I get why some of these things may take some time, but it's like, OK, Grant Cardone and other syndicators like him on social media, I guarantee you that crowdfunding the way they're doing it and complying with the law, and I'm sure he has a ton of attorneys in between, I guarantee you there's some bad stuff happening there. Right. Where Where are they there? Yeah. Where's the FTC? And th- I mean, they sh- that should be front and center for them. Right? Sh- there's a lot of people that should be front and center. Uh, why'd you pull up the Winklevoss twins? Oh, because they're, all they're, the lawsuits. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're tied to them and the, the digital currency group, right? I'm not a Winklevoss twins fan, so they they were originally tied to Facebook. Right, they made they made a bunch of money there. And yeah, because they, they sued. Right, right, and then they, they're Gemini, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. So they're they're the bat, they're the two major investors in Gemini or owners. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. is all tied in. I mean, this lawsuit is just going to get out of hand too because it's tied into dig, uh, DCG, the digital currency group. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Welcome. I probably should read the show notes a little more, but I ask you to. Put, you know, I didn't know that. I just I saw this and I thought to myself, okay, so the FTC now is starting to come down on things like social media advertising as it relates to fake followers and fake reviews. Yeah, great. 
Love the SEC is now starting to come down on aggregating and obviously dispersing funds vis-a-vis things like this in cryptocurrency. I mean, both very tall orders, though, in my opinion. I know you think that, you know, coming down on things like that should be aren't as hard of a, you know, tall order to like tackle. But I don't know, man. I don't I, I don't see that getting solved anytime soon. Why not? I just think it's it's going to be difficult. Right. I mean, how how can you prove the intent? The intent? I don't give a shit about intent. Yeah. These should be like explicit crimes. Like, I mean, look, you raised funds to have people pass no, the this, No, you. no, this is yeah, it. that that's that's you know, the fake followers stuff like that? Yeah. Okay, here's here's what I look at it. If you're leaving if someone's leaving you a mass amount of fake reviews and those IP addresses can be tracked back to fake reviews. Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't do that. Somebody else isn't gonna pay for your fake reviews. Now I'll tell you what this is where it gets interesting mm-hmm. is that does happen. So if somebody wants to take down your social media account on like Instagram and you have like a big following, yeah, they'll have a bunch of fake people literally come to your account and review and follow you and leave comments on your stuff to trigger the algorithm to get your account blocked. Right. So that does happen. Yeah. And it can certainly uh, kick you out of the algorithm and, and make sure that you're, you're shadow banned and stuff like that. And there's, there's a lot of implications. Yeah. So I, and it's not like a one size fix all thing there, but I, I, Dude, I think there, this should be a problem. There should be penalties for people. And if you can't go after the people, and I granted you they're in foreign countries, you can't go after the people with all these bot farms. Mm-hmm. You need to take ownership of it and say, okay, we can't prove this person bought them or didn't buy them. Fine. Okay. We can't go after this this company in a foreign country that's doing all this. Fine. Okay. Block IP addresses. Yeah. Block them all. Mm. Do what Twitter did. You don't have to delete the accounts, but make sure they can't comment. Right. And spend some time and energy to make sure your platform is actually getting across a legitimate message from real humans. Yeah. You got to give Twitter credit with for a- doing this. With where AI is going, and well, I know you and I both... Uh, individually and independently mess around with chat gpt a little bit that thing is scary as hell it's man. fucking scary man that thing is scary as hell you know that they, they I, got I, I, now, I asked it how do you how do you grow how do you grow a podcast first first option is said get rid of chris i was crazy <laughs> that's what it that's what it said it was i was like wow i mean this shit. the fact that you were planning that shit for that long <laughs> and had that in your back pocket is something you wanted to no, say no honestly it came to me it came did to you right two now. assholes rehearse this first is not that what you did not at all yeah, this is what you do when you drive over here you spitball this game <laughs> no, what do you all mean? right so when chris was, gets into this we're gonna go I right over the ai <laughs> no 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 but seriously that's yeah. a malicious no so don't give me the serious shit after that <laughs> well seriously though with with where the AI is going, I just think it's going to get harder and harder to prove. I'm not engaging this conversation anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's you, a no AI conversation. <laughs> there's a follow up. You're baiting me into this. No, I'm not doing no, that. I'm not getting baited. Come on, man. Hold my hand. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, AI is a problem, man. And they, they just hired. I think it was an article. Maybe you could pull that one up. That was in the show notes. But I, I think somebody just hired AI for like a like a part time trial employee status. Mm, I did see that. You're right. So I'll I'll tell you this much as as somebody who has played around with chat GBT or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's played around with building websites and, you know, automated chats, there's a point where you're not going to be able to tell you're not talking to a human. Yeah. And then what the, here's the problem with it too, is Congress is so late to all this by the time they can Im- implement regulation towards it. It'll be too late. AI will be too far advanced. I think there's already some things. AI. I remember back uh, when I was at school on the East Coast and Google had built, um, I can't remember the thing they called quantum computing. They'd reached quantum computing. Yeah, I remember that. And they took, uh, prior to that, the, the quantum computers that were in the desert were like massive football fields underground and they're mm-hmm. underground because the heat and dispersion and everything else. Yeah. And then Google did it in like a, about a refrigerator size container. I remember that. And yeah. reached quantum computing. Yeah. And that was a huge, huge milestone that nobody ever talked so about. So explain, explain to listeners what quantum computing is. I used to know this very, very well. I'm going to bastardize it. So why don't we have intern pull that up? Yeah. So I, I, I am not 
somebody who's this ingratiated in technology to be able to speak to it. But mm -hmm. I had um, a classmate who broke it down to me and kind of explained it to me in, mm -hmm. a, in a very powerful way. Maybe I should actually, we should actually ask him to be on the show. He was great. But um, he, was, he was the one kind of telling me about how quickly the pace of technology was escalating. Mm -hmm. You know, to have something that we thought wasn't going to happen in our lifetimes not only happen, but reach the point that it had in such a small computing like mechanism versus what it was before. I think about it, football fields, uh, you know, servers right. down to a single computer. All right, computing that takes, oh, here we go. Um, that takes the use of quantum states of subatomic particles to store information. So quantum computing is a type of com uh, computation whose operations can harness the phenomenon of quantum mechanisms such as super, uh, super what? Superposition. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't read it from here. It's angled. Interference and entanglement devices that perform quantum computers are also known as quantum computers. Basically, what it could do is like you could give it basically the world's most difficult problem and, and it could solve it. Right. And we reached a point now where you can you can give it any question and, and it would be able to solve. There was a better definition. I'll try to find it at some point in time. We'll talk about it again in the show. But he, he put it in a, in a different way that was made total sense. I'll have to find it. But so we reached this milestone and his his way of saying uh, of putting it to me when we talked about it was about cracking codes. I remember this. And too. so his, his way of saying was uh, a military grade encryption mm -hmm. could be cracked by a quantum computer in mere seconds. Right. That would otherwise take like a year. Mm hmm. And he said that the pace of technology was moving so incredibly fast and the privatization of this happening, like Google having this kind of power. Right. He's like, if Google has a quantum computer like they say they do, and they wanted to point it at somebody's password, they could probably find out anyone's password in a matter of minutes. Right. So when you start thinking about that, and then you put it in the how in the power of clearly the government's going to have access. Governments, right, and yeah. Then foreign actors like China, mm -hmm. and then playing the long game in some of, on some of the stuff that they deal with. You start to think like all the stuff that we think is is like secure really ain't secure right if you got a username and a password that can be cracked and as mm -hmm. quantum computers pick up mm -hmm. and ai starts to get more powerful it's not a, it's not as complicated as let's find this computer let's point it to an algorithm it's hey computer um find this person and crack their computer and then it will do it on its own right and uh, get there's obviously there's obviously a lot of good that it could be used for too right and we don't want to like no, you're the, there's no good in this, this podcast. We're negative. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, there is. There's a lot of good for us too. But then, it, to to my point earlier, is AI will go will get itself to a point that's so far advanced that by the time Congress could get anything ever passed, it's too late. Ah, here we go. Arun, you're paying dividends. All right. When scientists and engineers encounter difficult problems, they try they turn to supercomputers. These are very large classical computers, often with thousands of classical CPU and GPU cores. Hence the football size fields. Mm -hmm. However, even supercomputers struggle to solve certain kinds of problems. If a supercomputer gets stumped, that's probably because the big classical machine was asked to solve a problem with a high degree of complexity. When classical computers fail, it is often due to complexity. Yeah, complexity complex problems are problems that with a lot of variables. That seems like a stupid statement, but okay, yeah. fine. Interacting in complicated ways. Is there a lot of redundancy here? Or is a it lot of redundancy. Modeling the behavior. I feel like Chad GBT wrote this. Yeah. Modeling the behavior of individual atoms in a molecule is a complex problem because of all the different electrons interacting with one another. Sorting out the ideal routes for a few hundred tankers in a global shipping network is complex too. And now a single computer can do those things in yeah. a matter of seconds. Yeah. So it, it, it is a huge phenomenon and it, it's interesting 
to see how it all plays out. But what I will say is also fascinating and related to this mm -hmm. is that whole TikTok thing. Yeah. We've often said that TikTok is run by the Chinese government and try to do all these things. And Rogan's a big, you know, person who's very outspoken about how he has concerns. Right. And right. now schools are banning it on their on their internets and, and their, their uh, internet. Right. But if you were China and you were aggregating all that information, a classic, classic defensive stance is, so what if they want my, my, you know, my biometrics? I have nothing to hide. Who cares? Yeah. All they're going to get is dog photos. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but China plays a long game and people don't understand that. Right. We do too. This is not unique to them. Right. But if they're systematically pulling all of our biometrics, your phone's facial recognition, Mm -hmm. your thumbprint depending on what model phone you have mm -hmm. your passwords the things you like to look at right and you start running this stuff through quantum computers and ai yeah you can start to see how if you ever became somebody who rose to prominence and they wanted to get information as a really they have everything they need on you right or what can affect a, an entire generation of people mm -hmm. right so oh this is what i what i need to do and the type of content i need to have your younger generation watch to keep them preoccupied from ever advancing to learning anything new and to really grow into becoming to something. This is all I need to do. Wow, you did that out of breath. That was impressive. Yeah. Notorious. <laughs> there's a lot notorious. Of, yeah, there's a lot of people who are not going to get that reference. They're going to be like, what is this notorious person that he keeps referencing? It's so awkward. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Speaking of awkward, I went down the rabbit hole on the next article we're going to talk about from The Atlantic. I hate this so much. I hate it a lot. I hate it a whole, whole, whole lot. And I'm I'm um, usually spiteful and filled with vinegar and molasses. But right. today, right. a lot more vinegar, a lot yeah. less molasses. Because it, it I mean? really targets behaviors. But go ahead. So the buy now, pay later bubble is about to burst. This from The Atlantic. Uh, many Gen Zers have rejected traditional credit in favor of new age layaway programs, which are riskier than they may seem. Mm -hmm. Quote from the article. From 2019 to 2021, the total value of Buy Now, Pay Later, or BNPL, if you like fancy acronyms, <laughs> loans originated in the United States grew more than 1,000%. Mind you, this is about a year and a half ago from where it is now, and it's grown nothing but more from here. It's significantly higher, right? From $2 billion to $24.2 billion, about half of Buy Now, Pay Later users are 33 and under. Oh, yeah. Not a surprise. So... I was stunned at the growth. I mean, I've always known that it was big, mm -hmm. but one of the most stunning parts of this, as I went down this rabbit hole, and I actually saw an ad, I ran across this inadvertently. You know how like your phone will see you looking for stuff and then give you the ad because it sees that behavior? Yep. Well, I was looking for, allegedly people are using this to buy food. No. Yeah. And I food? came across an ad, I shit you not, for a pizza saying, it was, it was for like a Domino's pizza saying, if you wanted pizza, you could pay the payment over the next six weeks. Buy now, pay later. You can use the services here. What? I was fucking floored. I can't believe that. Like, how predatory are you? And I, honestly, I don't want to be this guy. But if that's something you have to do for a pizza, there's some serious questions that need to be asked over your financial position. Not only yelling at your financial position, but you understanding like what you're capable of doing and what you're not, right? Yeah. So buy now, pay later service don't cost you more money than if you pay to cash up front. I don't know if people, people know that. Right. It works because they charge three to four times as much as a traditional credit card vendor on the front end for the, the person paying would cost. Mm. So the idea is the point of sale, they get they get more sales this way when people otherwise wouldn't buy. Right. It's like layaway, but you get it up front, hence the layaway reference in the article. Yeah. But you're not paying any extra any more money for it. 
the vendors paying that fee to get another sale. I've never even signed up for any any buy now pay later service. I don't even know how it functions. It functions just like that. You go to the point of sale, and one of the options is buy now pay later, and then you'll hit your first payment of usually over the course of like call it six weeks. Yeah, and they just take your first payment right out, out right away, and then the rest of the payments come through. But I looked this up, and I think like over forty from when I looked it up, and it was a long time ago, somewhere between forty seven percent around there of people have that, a yeah. payment default. Yeah. Um, at some point during their buy now pay later. Now, payment default does not mean that actual true default. They're going to they're continue to make payments, but they mm-hmm. made a payment late typically. Right. Which is, I mean, it's stunning. Uh, here's an example. Uh, for example, if you if your total purchase was three hundred dollars, you'll pay seventy five dollars at checkout. Then you have three remaining payments of seventy five dollars, each due two weeks apart. As long as you make all payments on time, you'll pay off your purchase in six weeks. But you're doing that for a pizza, in some cases. But look. I, there's no shame in, in layaway or planning or budgeting. All good. Mm-hmm. Those are fine ways to manage your finances. But if you're giving the consumer the product up front, yeah, and they're paying it with cash flow over time, right? Like that, that, that you're giving them the satisfaction of receiving it. What's you're a predator? You're a predator. Yeah, come you're on. a predator. This this is not good for the consumer. This might be great for business, right? And it might drive up sales, fine, but you're you're hey, you're a terrible hey, human being. Cancel culture. Let's di- redirect our focus on these yeah. companies. Where's all the woke people <laughs> yeah, at? Come now? on now. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like just can't let's start canceling some of these companies. Domino's, you're out. So here's the problem is a lot of that woke culture that we're seeing that that challenges a lot of things like this mm-hmm. is a younger generation demographic wise. Right. And that is also the demographic that has picked this up the most. Yep. Yeah. Which is curious to me. I mean, I, I talked about well, my cousin trying to explain it before about, mm-hmm. oh, it's a cash flow tool, blah, 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 blah. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, how much cash flow do you really have? Wouldn't your time be better spent trying to make more money? Right. You know? 100%. But uh, this is this is one of the things that's been It goes back to you know, financial literacy not being taught. So, of course, I did the responsible thing and said, you know what? I'm a negative person. What does a negative person do when he sees an article like this? He tries to find more negativity. Of course you are. That's, that's what he does. Mm-hmm. And I came across a little uh, Bloomberg article, and I'm not going to lie, it hooked me with the title, Amex Hooked big spenders with and regained the throne with a pricier platinum card. Hey, Odun, I don't know any Amex big spenders. Do you know any Amex big spenders? I don't know anybody. Yeah, I, I felt like I felt like a big spender until this weekend. And then <laughs> John Legend? John, John Legend. John Legend concert. So, yeah. Somebody went to a John Legend concert or actually got invited to one. You want to do this now? I want to do it right now. I want to do it right now and then we'll yeah. jump back into this. So, yeah. All right, so we'll, we'll start with some Positivity, we'll enter back into some negativity and we'll get the article for some more negativity. So that's your Sunday, okay? Positivity <laughs> with two scoops of negativity yeah. inside. So Centurion has these Centurion living events and they send you an email and several months out, you can you know, choose to attend one. Right. Some of them are in Los Angeles, some of them are in all, you know, all different parts of the world um, and they're kind of sprinkled throughout like some really interesting destinations. So you can take private jets too. PJs. If, if you need to. If that's what we don't refer to it as. Right, yeah. PJs. Oh, sorry, PJs. I mean, I would know personally. Yeah. About these PJs, <laughs> you can you can enter the PJs in your PJs. I mean, if you want to get real slang, we call them jammies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Amex does this thing. This, obviously, at my first year having a card, I wanted to kind of play with some of these things. So I, I didn't have time during 2022. It was a busy year, mm-hmm. but late in 2022, we planned for 2023 season, and the first one was a music thing. They do some culinary stuff. They do some cultural stuff. They do poetry stuff. Mm-hmm. And the first one was called Soul. It was John Legend private concert with John Legend and John right. Legend. Basically him on a stage, piano. Right. But I didn't know when I got there. They don't tell you how many people are invited. Mm-hmm. They don't tell you anything about the venue other than what time to be there. And you get emails as it gets closer to the, the date. So right. You, it's three months out, you register. I think it was free for us. But they couldn't tell me anything other than there would be ballet and that it was at the Wiltern Theater. And That's be, all they could tell you. Be there by 6 p.m. for drinks, cocktails and drinks. Everything's obviously paid for. 
and appetizers, and then the show starts at seven, and departures will begin at eight fifteen. That's a little suspect, man. It was um, it was weird. It was yeah. certainly weird. And then I started asking for details, like how many people were going, like what kind of event is this at, uh, what kind what kind of event you know what's going to be like. They didn't have any answers. Like we don't know. Yeah. So my wife and I were like, all right, we'll go, but we couldn't get babysitter until four thirty. Babysitter comes over at like four thirty, four forty five. We leave the house at like five. We not even targeted to be there till seven. We go th- rush through LA traffic. We get there like call it six forty five. Yeah. So we missed most of kind of this mingling drinks and cocktail hour. I'll tell you right now, we got in and I was like, yo, like this is a this is a weird vibe. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of young people there that were like different cultures and ethnicities. You could tell were either here on student visas or came for this maybe. Dress code too? Uh it was smart casual was the dress code. What does that mean? Uh, it means pretty much dress whatever the fuck you want to yeah, in Los Angeles. Wear your Yale sweatshirt. There's a lot of people wearing. <laughs> wearing that's it. How it means. I should have. <laughs> I should have been yay yay. Yeah, but uh, but uh, no, there's a lot of people wearing like suit jackets, jeans, like the prototypical D bag wear, like I used to wear. <laughs> yeah. but, but then I stopped caring. Yeah. So I wore like a black t-shirt and like a black cardigan, and uh, I let my tummy roll roll out. You know. Yeah. What I mean? There you go. I, I was like, yeah, I can see my belly button. You know what? I'm wealthy enough to not give a fuck. Yeah. Okay, I'm here. I'm here with my wife. And I love my wife. She's beautiful. It's a status symbol. She loves this. That is a status symbol. Yeah. You know? It is. 500 years ago. Yeah. I'm rotund because she loves me. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's been cooking her ass off too. And she's doing a great job. So I mean, uh, those meals look amazing. Yeah. And she's been feeding me a lot. Uh, anyway, so we're here and I'm already kind of suspect, but we got there a little late. So everybody, and apparently it's seat yourself. Mm-hmm. So there's some questions I have, which I haven't got answers to. At the front, whenever we walked in, obviously had to be have to have a black card. So your name's on a list. You give them the, the name. They don't mm-hmm. check anything. So I could have said sausage fingers, and they would have, you know, <laughs> whatever. But they had wristbands, and I don't know what those are for. But we didn't get one. So is there like another tier of black card member in the black card members? Wow, I don't know. I think there is. It has to be, and I don't like that shit. You can't be on Jay Z's level. I I, I want to be on Jay Z's level. It's not gonna happen. Like with- someone, someone help me help you. <laughs> Yeah. And because it's so secretive, like no one tells you. So I still don't know. I'm like, why would, why did she have wristband? Right. It could have been for service. It could have been for the help. I don't know. But now me, I'm all sensitive. Yeah. Of so, course you are. So we walk in there and um, my wife and I wanted to sit in the back. It's all good. Like we, we weren't really trying to, trying to be in the Don't front. do this. Uh, we wanted to sit in the back. No, no. We, we, before we got there, we were like, yeah, let's just sit in the back, kind of catch, catch the vibe. Because this is our first one of the events and we kind of, we knew we were going to be there late. So we we're just, you know, trying to take all the pressure off. Mm-hmm. Just like, whatever. So in the back, I would say there was probably like maybe 300 people there. It's hard to tell because there was like a, it was only the front couple rows and the, the the upper like deck, and we were in the front rows okay. on the bottom floor. So I didn't really know how many people were there. But it looked like there was a, a decent crowd, but certainly not capacity by any stretch of imagination. He comes out, amazing performance. Manny Cashman was there for five minutes and left and dipped. Wow! And the whole time I'm like, if he stays, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. If he stays, I'm gone. There's you know no, why? You know why? Crowd I you know why he did it? Huh? He did it for the gram. I don't know. Had to. I don't even know if he stayed. If I saw him again, I was gonna dip though. Yeah. I was like, look, I, I have a personal brand to protect as well. Right. And I might not have millions of followers, but one day I plan to. Yeah. And I cannot have these photos of us coming out in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Look at that. Integrity. Integrity. That eye is for integrity, kids. Good job. <laughs> That's why we don't have sponsors. We don't believe in their money. Yeah. Exactly. Unless you want to give us money, in which That's case why. we'll take your money. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, That's why we don't have sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> so the show ends like literally 8.15. He gave it a stunning performance, sang songs for literally an hour straight. It was the same night apparently gave his, his wife gave birth. Wow. Did the show. Uh, what a stud. Yeah, great experience. Food and drinks were all there, top shelf, everything, you know, mm-hmm. for free, and you had a good time. But, Love um, me some John Legend. My wife and I, every time we sit down to have dinner together, that, that's what we put on. 
That's our go-to. Did you know he started off as a business consultant for the first five years out of college? No, you, I mean, you now I do. You told me before the show. Yeah. Yeah. You told, you told everybody that. I mean, you told it. Kind of feel like a whole background. Apparently, when we got out of college. He was with school for like business or something. Really? Was a business consultant for five years. His mom, um, unfortunately, passed away before she could like see his career come to fruition. So was that his way, Was that his way of trying to like pitch a sale to everyone there at the show? Was they all was a business consultant back in the day. After no, this, he, why don't y'all meet me in the back? No, he, he was like, uh, <laughs> I'll let know, y'all know how to fix this shit. A lot of PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you have a wristband. wristband. I'm yeah. sure there was some shit like that there. See, I'm the paranoia is getting to me. I feel like, but that's weird though. Why would the like ultra ballers have to wear wristbands? I feel like the non-ballers I, would have to wear wristbands. It makes me feel like, he, here's what probably is happening, is that if you had like some meet and greet potential or you had like some upfront seating that we just didn't see or know it was there. Yeah. Or because you're spending a certain spend, is my guess, is oh. they want to really cater to you. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of like heavy spenders, obviously, in the room. I yeah. Mean, but I, I don't know. That's kind of weird, though, man. A mean great. So th- th- it was very weird. It was like, so as much as I would like to go in theory, I think a lot of people use it as like a way to connect with people. Mm-hmm. And that's just not, it's so disingenuous for my wife and I. Exactly. The guy in front of me was clearly making out with a prostitute, by the way. Oh, really? it, it was it was so bad that the girl, the two lovely women sitting next to my wife to, to her right. Yeah. And keep in mind, we all picked our seats. We sat down. We're like uh, uncomfortable and like yeah. leaning in closer to my wife because they, they just got tired of seeing that in front of them. Right. It was very awkward. But right. there was there was a lot of that there, too. And it was just a, one of the strangest environments I've ever been to. And I don't know if people were connecting or networking. We certainly weren't. But it, at least I'll give it this. It was fascinating people watching and you could not have asked for a better performance from John Legend. But Look, I'm of I'm of the mindset of like I know so going to that meet and greet, let's say, and you go up to see him, it's disingenuous, like you mentioned, right? But the way I view it is like I would never want so and want a celebrity to feel like I'm dying to meet you. Please, I need to shake your hand. No, I I don't. I don't I'm not like that. that. I'm not. I, like I have that. nerded out on one celebrity. I do. I nerd out on like C D level celebrities. I don't nerd out on like A A list celebrities. I don't know, man. When you met Adam, mind pump, you were. You were in heat. Dude, Adam's stud. Yeah, he's a stud. Stud. Yeah, he's a stud. You know, Doug, Sal, Justin, all of them. Studs. You know who I you know who I would nerd out on, I think, if I met him was I'd probably nerd out on Casey. Nice stud. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just because I, I appreciate the his art. I've heard mixed statements about him as a person. Some people told me he's really cool. Wow, are you doing this right nice. now? No, I'm just saying, like I've heard he used to live in Venice. Like I'm, Yeah, dude. I mean, come on, how many people approach that guy? I'm sure a lot. I mean, he's kind of recognizable. Can you yeah. get back on topic of the credit card spending though? Yeah. All right. The credit card spending. Oh, my one cele- the intern wants to know the one celebrity crush. Oh yeah. Come on. Who is that? Who have you, who'd you nerd out on? You said I nerded out on one one celebrity one time. It's Adam from Mind Pump. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't blame um, you. I don't blame you there. So I went down the article, the rabbit hole article, and I found this one by by Bloomberg that I referenced. It boosted points and added new benefits, then raised fees in the middle of a pandemic. The risky strategy worked for American Express. Mm. And this is all about kind of that model for American Express and why it worked. And I can tell you as a guy who received some of the benefits, they absolutely did this. And in my case, with the Centurion card, there's some really cool benefits that came down that made it worth my while to actually pull the trigger on it. Right. But there were some interesting details hidden in this that I don't think most people caught. So I'm going to read uh, the quote that I pulled here, but then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain what I mean. Okay. So more spending happens with American Express credit cards than with those of any other bank on the planet. Let that sink in. Yeah. That's shocking to me for a number of reasons. I always think of Visa and MasterCards. Yeah, can, right. Yeah, they're dispersed the most, right? Yeah. And people, some people don't take American Express because there's an extra convenience fee for the the seller, the retailer, mm-hmm. to 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 use the card. So wow. some people don't take them. So for for American Express to have more spending than any of the, any other banks on the planet, 
is kind of shocking. Yeah. I mean, I know they're known for their point system. Yeah, but the gold card is way better than the rest of them in a lot of ways. Well, depending on which one you're getting. So gold, platinum, uh, centurion, if you go on that path, gold is way better points. Yeah. They even tell you that when, when you... So when you get the, the black card, they, they don't get rid of your old card. Yeah. They just say you can keep your old platinum card or you can downgrade it to a gold card, which has got better points. And yeah. that's what most people, I think, wind up doing. I just mm-hmm. got rid of the other card. Right. Um, so the company has enough plastic in wallets to pave a path from its New York headquarters to its offices in California and back. Hey, hey, can you pull up how many miles that is? <laughs> yeah, pull that up. That'd be yeah. While he's doing that, so American Express, and they compared global credit card spending in a graph uh, between American Express and J.P. Morgan Chase. Right. So American Express is you know peaked out about four hundred billion, and J.P. Morgan Chase is somewhere in between. Call it two hundred seventy-five to three hundred billion. God damn. Um, that's, and how much? How many? That's what? like fifty-eight hundred miles. So 5,800 miles paved with American Express cards. That's fucking insane, man. Yeah. New York to California and back. Um, so what I was looking at is, is to see that this graph, spending all the way back to 2008, all the way to 2022, mm-hmm. and if you look at the graph in the, in the article and you click on the show notes and check it out, mm-hmm. it is way, way higher. Yeah. American Express prior to this in, in 2008 mm-hmm. were under... 200 billion in spending right. and JP Morgan Chase was under a hundred billion in spending. Right. So now in 2022, both of them have effectively more than doubled, more than doubled. Exactly. So I got some, spending. I had some um, data from the fed reserve too. So outstanding consumer credit. So that's credit card, auto loans, student loans grew at an annualized rate of 7.1%. Credit card debt alone grew at an annualized rate of 16.9%. That's the, Fifth biggest monthly credit card jump in the last 50 years. It's all NBD. Yeah, not a big deal. 50 years. Not a big deal with all that BDE, you know what I mean? Ooh, you're not allowed to use that without saying what it means. No, I can't 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 say that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You can't say it because why? Google it. Oh. (laughs) What a coward you are. (laughs) You can't be using acronyms. That tells me what it means. Hey, bro, when you got BDE, you don't have to say what it means, you know? You just, you know. Oh, man. Inappropriate. Entirely inappropriate. Yeah. I'm not as juvenile as you, so I'm not going to acknowledge that. Oh, okay. yes, you are. <laughs> Don't mm-hmm. be this guy. I'm going to be that guy. So, mm-hmm. I got an article from Instagram that I thought was interesting. Uh, I hate, hate the show Shark Tank. So, so many people love it. I hate it. Yeah. I hate it with an un- unbelievable passion. I think it's so completely disingenuous. hmm And then I started seeing the statistics behind it that this Forbes article referenced. hmm And I realized... This is the reason why I hate the show. This, yeah, All of this. Because you, you know more probably better than most people how these things typically play out. No. No. This, is, this whole show is bullshit. Yeah. I know it's bullshit. That's why I hate it. Yeah. This just gives you the data of why it's bullshit. Let's go for it. So, first aired in 2009, ABC Shark Tank, now in its 14th miserable fucking season, mm. has grown to become a sort of American idol of entrepreneurship for people who don't know about entrepreneurship. Mm. I may have added that part. Each year, tens of thousands of small business owners compete for the opportunity to pitch their product before a national audience of millions and secure a deal with one of the show's high-profile investors. Yeah. Me. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) I hate the show so much. So so much. You know, Cuban, you're better than this. I don't think he is. Really? I think Cuban is uh, overrated, underrated? Overrated. Overrated. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very overrated. Why is that? 
I don't. Uh, he doesn't pass the vibe check, bro. Doesn't pass the vibe check, really. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a little bit. Like, of... Look, I, I, he's got he's got a lot of clout. A lot of clout. A lot of connected. A lot of connected connections. He he's clearly done extremely well in business. He's not saying he's not a smart man. I just can't get past how much of a crypto backer he was. Yeah. He backed that hard. He went knee deep into crypto. It was a money grab for him. He gave it the proctology exam and he pulled out some dollars. And <laughs> I, I don't I don't know that I feel good about that. <laughs> no, I know. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I just having a hard time disconnecting. Not to say I don't love the man and some, you know, for some of the things that he's done. He's certainly a huge basketball fan. So am I. So much respect to that. But um, vibe has been off for me since then. Right. I feel like uh, I feel like coming out and saying, you know what? I may have... Uh, May have fumbled the bag, boys and girls. So anybody who who backed it because of me, right? My apologies. I'm not saying it's giving back money. I'm just saying, you know, you should probably say, "I'm sorry." I got knee deep. Web three, I thought was was good. It was overhyped, and, mm-hmm. and I bought in. And I also the same thing, you know. Right. Whenever we, us as billionaires talk about it, you know, Kevin O'Leary too, right? Mister mm. Wonderful. He's he's he... not a Kevin O'Leary fan, however. Yes, no, man. What they call Mister Wonderful? Yeah, not Mister Wonderful. Yeah, he's I, not so I, wonderful. I do not like. <laughs> yeah. For no other reason than I just don't like his face. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's yeah. getting, he's in trouble too with some backing a lot of crypto. Is he really? That doesn't surprise me. I don't like his face. No, I mean yeah, he was uh, he was in front of Congress. I think talking about it. I hope they all had to stare at his face. <laughs> yeah. Punishment for both sides. Yeah, you and I think he was involved with the all FTX. 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 Yeah, he, uh, apparently he's one of the two people that are anonymous for posting the bond for. SPF. Come on. Yeah, Kevin O'Leary. No. That's not true, but I want the rumor to get out there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. I, like, <laughs> I, want, I want the rumor out there. I don't like his face. Probably, Why are you like, pulling up his face? I just told you I don't like his face. Yeah, What's yeah. wrong with you? I mean, let go of the horseshoe, though, you know? Oh, yeah, he defends his endorsement of FTX. Yeah. Former FTX spokesman Kevin O'Leary, former, uh, defends yeah. endorsement of Bankman Fried. Yeah. Recurring problem whenever, like, I'm reading something, you purposely change it so I sound like a jackass whenever I'm reading. Yeah. yeah. yeah don't blame this on the internet. Blame this on you. Oh, okay. look at his face. Look, that, does, that look, that, does that not look like a weird face? Yeah, he, he looks like he's pooping. Yeah, he does look like he's pooping. And that's his permanent face. Right. When you pitch him a deal, you get poop face. Yeah. All right, let's go back to the Forbes article, which is more important. Pitches are filmed months or sometimes even more than a year in advance of when the episode airs. Mm-hmm. Several entrepreneurs said they were told to accept deals or risk not being shown on television. A fact that billionaire investor Mark Cuban confirmed to Forbes. A handful admitted that they went on the show for publicity and never really wanted to bring on a new investor. Yeah, I feel like that's the smartest thing to do. It is smart, yeah. That's, that's what you're there for, right? Right. And at least 10 others said it was a, quote, mutual decision between them and their shark, also known as D-Bag, <laughs> to drop the deal. But wow. most confessed it was either the shark's decision to pull out, sometimes with Pause. no explanation, Pause. or theirs, after the terms changed, significantly they felt... Uh, were unacceptable. Yeah. And in some cases, even put their businesses at risk. So there were some stats that followed this, and these stats were so good of an indication of why I don't like this show. Yeah. It's disingenuous at its core. The whole premise is bullshit. It is, yeah. And it's we're, we're putting this spectacle on for people to watch, and they feel like it's great. And so here's what happens. In my office, every single day I watch CNBC. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there for the ticker mostly, and every once in a while I'll watch some news, like new prints come out, stuff like that. Yeah. Take a screenshot, post to social media, make fun of society. My usual day. <laughs> there you go. And every day, at the end of the day, it's there's two shows that'll come on that just send just me into a rage. Right. Can you guess the first one? Okay, I'm going to guess this. 
That was obvious. That's, yeah. This is the second one. This is the second one? He gets the first one. The first He's one that wrong comes on... 100% of the time. Oh, Mad Money. Every time, Mad Money. Yeah. Jim Cramer comes on first. Yeah. And then this show comes on but as it, well. But he's really providing a service. No, he. No, I, I'm convinced Jim Cramer is literally trolling everyone. No, no, I think he's providing a service. He's like, look, guys, I know I'm telling you that no, this is what no, you no, should no. be investing in, but just do the opposite. Mark my words. Jim Cramer will go down in history as one of the greatest fucking trolls to ever troll the world you think so he knows he's you can't be this consistently wrong all the time and not know him and he skip, knows him and skip bayless you know, skip bayless is an idiot yeah. but jim kramer knows he's wrong yeah and is playing the troll so hard he has sold the troll as reality really oh yeah jim kramer knows it him or ramsey oh uh, no ramsey's a piece of shit kramer kramer is just a troll Bro, no ramsey come on he's telling everybody he doesn't own a credit card no, he's saying you shouldn't own a credit card. Yeah, but we, no, he's also, didn't we say that he said that I don't own a credit card? I don't know that he's ever said that, but if he does say it, that's a lie. That's a lie. I believe he has said it, and I'm just yeah. trying to let the, the intern pull something up so yeah. I can make fun of it yeah. without, you know, me being speculative. <laughs> right, exactly. Do I need a credit card from Ramsey Solutions? Terrible name. Terrible. Ramsey Solutions. Knows, yeah, exactly. Four reasons why people use credit cards. One, identity theft. Two, emergencies. Three, building credit. And four, rewards and cash back. I don't, I don't think that's why people are using it. I think nowadays they're using it because they can't afford anything. Basically, his whole pitch is that you can just use a debit card, which I would say is not wise. Right. Use a credit card for all your spending. Repay it at the end of a single month if you can use American Express. Even better. Right. Uh, and we know that everybody does because they have 5,800 miles of roads to pave with American Express cards, which is still stunning. Mm -hmm. Back on point. While well, interns got us distracted. I blame you for this, not us. Yeah. Because we're responsible. 50%. About two-thirds of nearly 100 employees who make it on air each season walk away with a handshake deal and big plans for expansion outlined by their investors. Yeah. But an analysis of 112 businesses offered deals on seasons 8 through 13 of the show reveals that roughly half, or 50%, of those deals never come close. And another 15% end up with different terms once the cameras are turned off. Wow. 65% of the deals are distinctly different than what you see on television. Yeah. That's the definition of disingenuous. Right. If I told Re you that's, that's what you were going to watching, what you were watching was 35% true. Right. You'd be like, okay, that's fiction. Yeah. That, that's just fiction based <laughs> yeah. on reality. That, right. That's not real. Right. But everyone's like, oh my God, I love this show. I want to see what happens. Let's see what the sharks do now. Ooh. I know. Like, imagine if we tell everyone, like, hey, this episode that you're about to listen to is going to be a full breakdown of the housing market CPI. And all we do is talk about laser hair removal. That'd be crazy. That's, that's called retrading. I don't feel like that's a retrade. <laughs> I feel like that's building intimacy <laughs> and honesty with our core audience. Yeah. In a way that these sharks would never have the balls or yeah. the body hair to do. Or, or the integrity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 73%, a similar 2016 survey found uh, that Forbes conducted found that about 73% of the deals in the first seven seasons either changed or fell through. 73%? Just not even working out. Changed or fell through. And We're I, love, 27 how, I yes. love how there is actually, I remember back in the day, there was a segment of their show where they say, let's see where they are now. And they yeah. make it seem like, they got to find real, they got to go deep. <laughs> yeah. They're like, shit, we got 27% odds. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, on. the next season comes out and they, they don't have any of those. They're like, fuck. I'm telling you, man, like, there's there's a lot of products. I, I can't say one product that I've seen go on that show that I think has really popped off and made it big. I know there's a couple that are, that are like, the standouts, but. Well, Scrub it, Daddy was on there, right? Scrub, what's Scrub Daddy? What? It was, like, the, the number one, like, uh, sponge, like, kitchen sink sponge. It's got the happy face on it. 
Oh, I always thought that was lame. That was a thing. Oh, it, it turned into a huge thing. And then not only they have scrub daddy, they have but that scrub, was a fat. They have scrub mommy. No, dude, it's everywhere. We have scrub one in the house mommy? too. Mommy? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> well, why are we making? Why are we making sponges sexual? Why can't they just be like? <laughs> no, what they, are we doing they, here? they didn't say uh, squatty potty. They didn't say they didn't say uh, scrub poppy. Oh, Bombas socks. That was number one. Okay, Bombas. Yeah. Bombas was everywhere on the radio. Ooh, that should, that should be PR my new marketing. Instagram handle. Bombas? You know, you know how there's champagne poppy? I should be scrub poppy. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going to go with. This is why you should have never been on social media. I, t- I take full responsibility for, <laughs> this, is your for fault. This, this happening to you. <laughs> squatty potty. Squatty huh? potty. That is, it, wow. They come problem, strong with squatty potty. Here's the problem potty. with squatty potty. What are you going to do when, when you go on a trip and you don't have a squatty potty? <laughs> you know, actually, you know what? I got a solution to this. What? I went into a very upscale uh, building in Dallas. Okay. And I was meeting with a billionaire. And it was very regal inside, marble, everything, countertops. And like, mm-hmm. there's like symphonies and shit playing in the background. And there was like right. a dude in the. Anytime you walk in, there's a dude just waiting for you in the bathroom. You know, you know you're in some upscale shit. Yeah. Right. And he was just sitting there. Yeah. They have like those towels that feel like cloth, but they're really paper, but they're really heavy. And you throw them away in like that really nice, airy, big bag bin thing. You throw right. it away in. Right. They get like cologne samples. And you're not supposed to tip this guy because yeah. that'd be offensive. Uh-huh. And it's, you know, it's classy. Yeah. Classic class. They have the stalls that fully close all the way up and down. So you don't have to like look at someone's face like when you're tall like me when you're going number two. Okay. You know, and I walk in and I open the door. Squatty potty. Right there. So I'm like, oh, maybe somebody left it here because they're, you know, maybe there's just an older person who likes, you know, or someone like me who's I've metabolically never, challenged. And I've older. never seen a squatty potty. My metabolism is older. And then I went to the next stall because I was like, I don't want to, you know, poop in somebody's squatty potty stall. Right. Every saw had a squatty potty in it. Wow. And I got to tell you, I used one. It does work. Yeah. I think this is now going on our third show where we're talking about your digestive system. That's not, don't, we're talking about the Shark Tank show. <laughs> no, but you, you somehow found a way. I'm endorsing you a some, product. You somehow found this a way. This is why sponsors don't like us. This is because the, this kind of shit that you do, you're making it something that's very genuine. Dude, here, disingenuous. Here, here's the problem with these. Okay, we're going to list off. Very this. genuous? Very genuine. Yeah, very genuine. disingenuous. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is the problem with these. No, no different than like going to the Grant Cardone 10X. You can find the the one investor that he's taught and he could like yeah. put them on front and be like, look at what we did with this one investor. You found the one. Now, how many people have been on this show? And we're going to find like Scrub Daddy, uh, Tipsy Elves. Uh, what else do we have here? Who are some of the other ones? Uh, Squatty Potty, Scrub Daddy. Like, come on, man. Like, of course, there's occasionally they're going to have one or two. Yeah. The Comfy. Is that what is it? Like a giant like. The Comfy. That's a play on the other one that they had. Remember? So it's like a jacket slash blanket. She looks hella comfortable, I'm not going to lie. That looks completely... Why would you wear that? I would not wear that. Yeah. I, I would Just get a blanket. Yeah. Or, just, or wear a hoodie. Just wear a Nike hoodie. I don't understand. Yeah. I, I don't understand so much of this. It's, it's so confusing. and I, I, It makes me want to come out with merch. You know, it could be worse. I mean, it's almost as bad as starting up a company and then faking all of your followers and then selling it to somebody like J.P. Morgan Chase for like a month. Oh, let's go. Another 30-year-old getting fucked. <laughs> <laughs> JP Morgan says startup founder used millions of fake customers to dupe it into an acquisition. I don't know if you read the details here. Did you read the details? <laughs> no, I was waiting for the show. Oh. So good. So good. So I'm I actually want to read the three paragraphs here, and I apologize. It's going to be my reading. So take it with a grain of salt and try to read between the lines of stupidity as I say stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want you to think through the logistics of how far this crazy lady had to go to do this. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, logistics-wise, this is this is an insane amount of work. So, J.P. Morgan Chase is suing the 30-year-old founder of Frank, 
a buzzy fintech startup it acquired for $175 million for allegedly lying about its scale and success by creating an enormous list of fake users to entice the financial giant to buy it. Mm. Already makes some questions. A lot of questions. Like, yeah. what's your due diligence process? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, like what, yeah. what are you doing here? It's $175 million to JP Morgan Chase. I recognize that's not a lot of money to them. No, bro, it's a lot of money to them. You can't just take a $175 million loss. No, he could, he could write a check for that and be like, all right, we're buying you. No, but man, saying, come but, on. Okay, well, it's not a, not a complete loss. There's <laughs> there's some benefit here. It's not that much. The lawsuit, which was filed late last year in U.S. District Court in Delaware, claims that Javis pitched... This is the, the girl's name. I, what's her first name? You got her first name over there anywhere? Uh, intern, look it up. Pitch J.P. Morgan. Yeah, Javis pitch J.P. Morgan. Thank you for putting me back on point. That yeah. that's, that's your terrible influence. <laughs> I'm reading off my phone. You're reading off a screen. I'm blind in both cases. That's yeah. the irony. Yeah. JP Morgan in 2021 on the lie that more than 4 million users had signed up to use Frank's tool, tools uh, to apply for federal aid. When JP Morgan asked for proof during the due diligence, uh, Javis allegedly created an enormous roster of fake customers, a list of names, addresses, dates of birth, and other personal information for 4.265 million students who did not actually exist. In reality, according to the lawsuit, Frank had fewer than 300,000 customer accounts at the time. So basically she made she added 4 million fake How how hard are you working? Yeah, exactly. You got to you got to literally make 4 million fake accounts of student information with their names, addresses, dates of birth and other personal information. 4 million. 4 million. And she's selling this to JP Morgan back to your whole point about due diligence. I mean, Charlie They're, Javis. Charlie Javis. A girl. She's 27 years old. Yeah. 40 under 40, another 30 under 30. These lists all suck. For yet another reason, this is why. Yeah. She went to the Wharton School of Pennsylvania, one of the best business schools in the, in, in the world, frankly. Just, man, that, that, yeah, that's bad for Wharton, huh? Man. <laughs> Just, <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think that's going to be on their marketing paraphernalia, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, we had uh, Frank founder uh, Charlie uh, Javis, who's 27. She was a Forbes 40 under 40. Yeah. And uh, she might be in jail, but she accomplished a lot before she got there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Whew. This is not Theranos, but um, it's it's interesting to see. So the same week J.P. Morgan filed a suit against Javis, Javis filed a suit against J.P. Morgan Chase. Because when you make up 4 million accounts, what do you do? Yeah. You defend yourself and say, it's your fault. Not me. Not guilty. The former Frank CEO's complaint claimed that the banks last spring commenced a series of groundless investigations into Miss Javis's conduct. I mean, faking. I mean, four, four million. million the, again, yeah, yeah, that's not groundless. Seems like it pretty much wasn't groundless. And later manufactured a four-cause termination in bad faith. I feel like uh, they're probably not manufacturing that. <laughs> exactly. That's uh. <laughs> Here's the thing: is if is if you're manufacturing something, the last thing you want to do is file a suit in public court where everybody can read it. About some embarrassing shit you did, like writing a check for over a hundred million dollars to somebody that you shouldn't have written a check for. I mean, right. That's pretty embarrassing. Exactly. And they're going to get questioned by the regulators like, hey, uh, Jamie, Jamie Diamond here, um, the regulator calling, ring, ring. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, you bought this company, you did some due diligence, and you didn't know that four million of the four point three million were fake users? <laughs> I, you would, how, what was the due diligence? I trust you? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You look reputable? Right. Yeah. So, Anne worked to force Ms. Javis out of the J.P. Morgan organization to deny her millions in compensation that she was owed. As part of those investigations, the complaint said J.P. Morgan falsely accused 
Miss Javis of misconduct during and after the Frank acquisition. Mm. I'm going to go ahead and say you're innocent until proven guilty unless J.P. Morgan's suing you in open court, in which case you're probably fucking guilty. <laughs> you're done, dude. Yeah. yeah, you lost. She probably took a page out of uh, SBF's book and said I'm not guilty like him. Reading a quote from the article from Forbes, which I also do not pay for. Mm. After J.P. Morgan Chase rushed to acquire Charlie's rocket ship business, J.P. Morgan Chase realized they couldn't work around existing student privacy laws, committed misconduct, and then tried to retrade the deal. Javis's lawyer, Alex Spiro, said in a statement emailed to Forbes. I'd retrade the deal, too, if I heard that there were some fake accounts. <laughs> so, of course, Charlie here, she's not guilty. She just blew the whistle and then sued J.P. Morgan Chase's newest suit is nothing but a cover. What the fuck, man? Because they're going to go so far as to sue something like this in open court for a cover. Yeah, not going to happen. Bullshit. So, so maybe take us behind the scenes a little bit for what it's like for a bank. We talked a little bit about the due diligence process. When a bank does want to acquire you know, something like this or bring on something new, what type of due diligence? I mean, how, how, how much effort and how long does it take to really go through that process before you can now implement it and introduce it out? So let me get, let me finish shit talking by reading one more one more paragraph because it's yeah. good. Okay. Because all the shit talking is nothing without some details. Got it. And then I'll jump into that. So Frank's chief growth officer Oliver Amar or Olivier or La, it's Olivier in yeah. French. Yeah, it's fancy. I'm Olivier fancy. Olivier Amar is also named the J.P. Morgan's complaint. Uh, it alleges that Javis and Amar first asked a top engineer at the Frank at Frank to this Frank being the name of the company. And sounding like a person's name is weird to me. Yeah. So Frank is the company, just to be clear. Right. Engineer at Frank to create the fake customer list. When he refused, Javis approached a data science professor at New York City Area College mm. to help. I mean, it's two witnesses. Yeah. Right? I mean, they, they know everything about him already. Right. So, I mean, okay, but J.P. Morgan's being uh, malicious. Using data from some individuals who'd already st uh, started using Frank, he created 4.265 million fake customer accounts, for which Javis paid him $18,000. And it validated by a third-party vendor at her direction. Mm. Wow. JP Morgan alleges. The complaint includes screenshots of the professor's invoices and claims that Javis went to notable lengths to ensure documentation of his work was either destroyed or altered to avoid raising eyebrows. Amar, meanwhile, spent 105000 buying a separate data set of 4.5 million students from the firm ASL Marketing per the complaint. Amar and ASL Marketing did not yet respond to a request for comment. I think that means she's guilty, kids. Yep, big time. It sounds like uh, it's not malicious, and I mean, uh, we, can, we can go there. Completely ruining the phrase, let me be frank with you. Wow. Can't okay. be honest, oh. right? <laughs> wow. Let me be frank with you. <laughs> hey, hey, Javis, let yeah. us be frank let with me you. Let be completely false. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anytime a large bank has to do due diligence, there are regulatory requirements as to the the work that you're doing. Yeah. Right. You can't just go like, I'm going to buy this company. First of all, you, you have to, you can't, you have to look at suitable companies that are out there. If you're going to target this company, then that's fine. But mm -hmm. you, there's, there are SOX controls. There are controls in place to make sure that you are paying a fair and market value for this company. Yeah. It is usually based on their income statement on how similar situated trades have happened. Okay. But you have regulatory pressures and you have audit pressures. So there's different pressures that are all on the bank. So there's a lot of due diligence and a lot of documentation which goes into due diligence files. Yeah. To prove that you did this work. So in right. this case, there was an outside third-party vendor which validated 
That you consult with, right? That you consulted with. And apparently she was allowed to engage that vendor. I would say that's error number one. Mm -hmm. If you're paying for an outside third-party vendor to look at them to make sure that their statements about their company are accurate or that their accounts are true or representative of what they're saying, that should be a completely independent process. And while you engage them as J.P. Morgan Chase, yeah. they are to go in there as a neutral third party, do their due diligence, give you back a report, letting you know about their findings, if any. Now, do these uh, consultants or these third party vendors that you do consult with, do they need to be like signed off by the regulators that they're a reputable source or? No, but they're generally larger accounting firms or somebody who's well known in the space, um, mm -hmm. depending on what you're, what you're doing. But yeah, they certainly... They certainly need to be a top tier person in the industry. Right. You can't just have somebody random come in and you certainly can't have them engage with the person you're buying. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's that's a SOX control failure point, right? If the person that you're buying can engage them or interact with them other than to give them access to their system and allow them to answer questions, then I would say they have an undue influence over the person who's supposed to be giving you a neutral third party opinion. Right. And as a result, can you rely on that? Obviously, there's financials that are behind this as well. So if there's Really, 300,000 users versus call it 4.3, 4.5 million, uh, right. then I would say the income statement and balance sheet had to be manipulated, right? Mm -hmm. Because that income wasn't coming in. Yeah. So how does that work? So, so somebody from an audit perspective was engaged to audit their financials, perhaps um, a large top four accounting firm. Yeah. How did well, they miss that? that? Well, yeah, if that's the case, then there's a lot, right. more, a lot more questions. There, there's a lot more questions here. And, and certainly without question, there's... There's a lot to be said for the math ain't going to be there to support right. this. So Because the financials that they get typically, for people that don't know, sometimes they should be audited financials. Well, there's more. There's, there's website traffic too. If all these people signed up for your account, the website traffic of 300,000, let's just say a million people came to your site and you had 33% conversion, 300-something thousand right. converted. Okay, where where is the website traffic for the 4 million? When Did they have 10 million people visiting their site? I mean, did anybody check that? Exactly. There's there's so many questions that can come up here as like a dropping the ball. Right. And that's why I mean, you know, 100, was 175 million, I think it was? Uh, 175 million. 175 million in acquisition price to JP Morgan Chase. That's not a big number for them to swallow up a company. Yeah. So I don't know that any due diligence was really done. I think they looked at her credentials as an executive and some of the PR and marketing that went behind it. And maybe this happened really, really, really fast. It could have mm -hmm. been a foregone conclusion by J.P. Morgan Chase that they needed this entity for, for reasons for banking purposes to meet their compliance regulations. Right. And they probably said, okay, we're going to buy them and, you know, whether we want to buy them or not. And they're not buying another bank. So the regulatory level of scrutiny is far lower. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small dollar amount to J.P. Morgan Chase that I'm not even sure their primary regulator is going to be really, really concerned with the acquisition because they could write that loss off and be fine. So I'm, I'm sure that this was a foregone conclusion that this is going to help them from a regulatory capacity and nobody did any work. Right. It sounds like these are all easy finds. Yeah. So I, I don't, I don't know, but it, it's extremely bizarre, but her statement about this being a malicious attack on her and being forced out. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Right off the gate. Bullshit. And her yeah. attorney, I, if you're an attorney and you're taking this case, unless you've got a smoking gun there that you're just not talking about yet, I don't even know. So this is a great paragraph here too. Once the deal went through, J.P. Morgan and Frank uh, asked Frank for its customers list so the bank could begin marketing its products and servicing those to students. Mm -hmm. The suit says, Javis and Amar sent over a list of data derived from ASL marketing and other third-party vendors. Uh, and another third-party vendor, sorry, sorry. N-formation spelled with an E, which is weird. Mm -hmm. According to the suit, when J.P. Morgan sent test marketing emails to what it thought were 400,000 Frank customers, the results were disastrous, it claims. <laughs> Only about a quarter of the emails were delivered, and of those, just 1% were open to suit alleges. So there's clearly data here backing this. Yeah, exactly. So how, how is this malicious? I don't, I don't know. know, man. She fucked.
Yeah, no, yeah. no that's true. I, I thought you were going to go someplace else with that, but yeah, no, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that is a one hundred percent accurate, dead ass accurate, as we say in the industry. Mm -hmm. But what I'll point out is oddly interesting. So really, what she did is she built a platform, she marketed around it. Mm -hmm. And while I'm doing this, why don't you look up and see how long that company had been around? See how long Frank uh, had been around? Yeah. Um, she's so she started this company up. She built some marketing hype around it. She got some traction. Three hundred thousand is still a good number for traction. Clearly not as right. big as she said it was going to be. Um, you're not going to find it. Yeah, you're not to Google something. Yeah, that's no, not going to work. You can't Google Frank and no, find 2016. it. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Okay, so five years, three hundred thousand. That's decent traffic for any company that started up. Right. But that's the power of a mailing list. Yeah. That's what they were really paying for. That's what they wanted. They want a targeted mailing list list for her niche. Mm-hmm. That's why you see so much online scam and spam and stealing. That's real power. That's, that what, is, that's what JP Morgan was after. That is real power. And that is that is why, I mean, we can kind of go into this too. I don't know if you how much you want to, but that's the power behind something like Robinhood, right? Mm -hmm. Is it's free. But what's the what's the real selling point? It's all the data that also all the data they get. Well, data mining is also one of the most misunderstood things ever. But Robinhood is also not free. Uh, that the perception is that it's free to you, and you're just getting poor, more poor execution than you would be if you traded direct. Yeah. Um. So that that that's what that is. But yeah. um, look, I can't knock them. They they've been around. They've been able to keep keep going. And no, I'm not trying to knock them. I'm saying that, but that's the power behind it, right? Yeah, is information. Yeah. Anything that's that is free to you and that you're paying for. Mm-hmm. You're either getting shitty execution on, which Robinhood is getting, yeah, or you're being marketed. Mm -hmm. Zillow, great example. You know, your it's free to you. Use it all you want. Yeah, your information is being marketed and sold to realtors on on their secondary market. Yep, yeah, that's exactly. Happening. That that's the that's the game. Google, Google, their analytics get sold over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Okay, that some the way they can reach into your mobile devices. TikTok, free to you. Your information is being used for something. Anything that's free to you. Except for this podcast, <laughs> it's it's free. <radio. laughs> you're getting you're getting sold something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or you're being sold. In this case, we're not selling anything except for hopes, dreams, love, admiration. Yeah. Now tell your friends that they want a sponsorship. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they want they want a sponsorship and they want some honest five star reviews. The site is poor. Yes, I am very poor. Yeah, we need to get site a black heart. No, I do in, not want in, a black initiation. Heart. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't jump, want it. jump you in. Right. All right, man. Well, we covered a lot in this particular episode. Is there anything else you wanted to hit home with? No, man. Anything else? I, no, any, anything else would just come out of left field. But I'm very did. good at left field. You, you are very good at You know, the, uh, the one article that I had in here still to go back to the crypto was that they found um, $5 billion of the liquid assets for FTX. I was talking to somebody about this. Um, the same thing we talked about in the previous episode. How are you just going to find $5 billion? Yeah, the guy in the White House that we were talking about. Yeah. So this is how we started the conversation off, and he was laughing. He's like, well, at least they found that. I'm like, what? <laughs> at least they found that? I'm like, first of all, found $5 billion. Yeah. What do you mean? Weird. You just, know? I mean, that's not normal. And I would say finding $5 billion of cash, liquid cryptocurrencies, and other investments does not make everybody whole. No. It was, it, it was, or wasn't it originally like it was $8 billion missing? Yeah. So we're still, I mean, it's still $3 billion. Like, I get it. They found five, but. I know where $250 million is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. 25 million in cash specifically yeah yeah being used to post bond i had some guy on social media this is this is what social media blows me away starts arguing me about how bond works for federal court cases oh how it works yeah okay. so I'm, I'm licensed for federal court just for the record it's not a different once you license an attorney you just apply you can get licensed as long as you have an active bar member it's okay. all good right 
but I know federal court probably better than I know state court for that matter. Got it. And he starts, bro, that's not how bond works in federal court. And I'm like, okay, well, um, here's an article which federal rules of civil procedure. Mm-hmm. Interns fired again. Back to intern you are. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Dropping stuff in the background. Yeah. We'll put, we will put you outside this room, young man. Yeah. Um, he starts arguing with me. I'm like, I just gave you the federal rules of procedure as it relates to bond. Like, just yeah. read that. You're wrong. I know. I almost went to federal federal jail, so I know. I, I almost him, went to federal I jail. Up. This is like a twenty-something-year-old kid. That's that's your selling point. And I I'm almost like, went to what federal is jail. Wrong. The yeah. whole time I'm like, just respond to him, Chris, because it's more engagement for your account. Yeah. <laughs> like, this, this, is, like, this is where I'm at. <laughs> this is what you're doing now. That's how your mind works. Just respond to him. Oh, just keep going. Man. Jeez. So if I ever respond to you when you're making mean comments, just and you're thinking that yeah, I'm getting to them. I'm, no, yeah, you're creating engagement. Kids. Love, love, and hate both to help the algorithm. All right. Well, I'm about tapped out, man. I I, I think that uh, the way the show started of you bringing up cryptocurrency and bashing on them, and yeah. then you ending the show by bashing on them shows a clear motivation <laughs> and hatred towards cryptocurrency. <laughs> this is not you. That was you. That was not me. No, you ended the show. This is how you wanted to end the show. And for the record, again, you put this in the show notes. No, no, no. You did. You started the show off. Don't make me re- go back to you know an hour ago and where you said that you, you did that. You asked me to put it in the show notes for you. I was just being Nobody a good asked friend. if I asked. They just yeah. said, did you put it in the show notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm telling you, that's what you did. I may or may not recall that at this point <laughs> yeah, in time. Of course it's been not. a long day. Of course not. But look, I, I I sent you an article which I knew you would like and said if you like this, put it in the show. No, that's did. not what you did. Now you're lying. <laughs> now you're now you're not being genuine. But I certainly didn't bring up the I was actually gonna forego the five billion dollars being found, but you love bashing on cryptocurrency. Why is that, Say? Why why do you have such a hatred towards cryptocurrency? It's a rug pull, man. It's a rug pull. Yeah. All of it. That, the NFT space, web three right now. Okay, well bear with me. This might be your passing thought at the end of this episode yeah i believe there is a bigger rug pull transpiring in front of all of us Uh-oh. every single day <laughs> it's called shark tank yeah <laughs> that's a good point yeah, the, right. odd, the odds are there man you're right 27 percent. that's how much of a chance you got a success yeah that's a bigger rug pull than cryptocurrency at least they found five billion in, in, you <laughs> yeah, know yeah, cryptocurrency from ftx right. it's not happening yeah that's, yeah that's way better odds stop watching shark tank Stop watching Shark Tank, everybody. Yeah. We'll catch you in the next episode. Say it, Saeed. Good night, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Higher Standard Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If you like this episode, please write a review and share it with us. You're getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase what's possible when leaders decide to uphold a higher standard for their businesses, their investments, their families, and most importantly, themselves. If you want to see more of my content, I post daily on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. So be sure to follow me on your favorite social media platform. And with that, it is a wrap. And as always, I look forward to hanging with you all on the next episode.